0: Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to Uncommon Sense. Being uncommon and sensical and keeping you in the know. My name is and I ate a blade of grass one day. Just just like right now? <laughs> I one, did, I did once. That? I did once in my life.
1: I did right now blade one grass into my mouth. For sure. For sure. For sure.
2: Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Entire blade of grass into your mouth. Um, Dang. Jerry,
1: do you want to go or should I?
2: Uh, You should go. Okay.
1: Uh, my name's JT, and I uh, am shaving my butt cheeks regularly. Just my butt cheeks.
2: Mm. My name's Jerry, and I want to teach sharks what love is.
0: You want to teach what what love is? Narcs?
2: Sh- sharks. Oh, sharks.
0: What kind of fucking? All right, whatever. All right. everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about... mostly politics and current events in American history and we mash it all together in a wonderful, slightly informative and incredibly fun soup. Today, we're going to cover a few topics. We're going to change our format a little bit. Um, Sorry that the audio quality is constantly changing, by the way. I'm doing my best. We're recording remotely. There's a pandemic going on. You get it. So let's talk about current events. Um, How much do you guys, my fellows, my friends know about One Miss Marjorie Taylor Greene in the Congress. I
1: I know that she's a Congresswoman. Um, I don't know why. And um, (laughs) I know that she does not deserve rights.
2: Um, I heard that name for the first time about 10 minutes ago. Okay.
0: Beautiful. Well, all right. Let's... Get Jerry caught up here. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is a House representative from the state of Georgia, and the reason that she's in the headlines right now is because she drafted articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. I think I may have mentioned this one or two episodes ago. Um, I think he was in office (laughs) for about 48 hours, and then she announced on Twitter that she drafted these articles of impeachment. So because she kind of got the spotlight that way, people have been talking about how um, there are videos in the past. Indicating some interesting, to say the least, behaviors uh, and pronouncements from her, namely that 9-11 was an inside job, that um, the Sandy Hook and Parker shootings were set up to antagonize the NRA and get higher gun control laws. Uh, She believes Ruth Bader Ginsburg was replaced by a body double at some point. She's one of these QAnon disciple booney tunes, and one way or another, she's an elected official representing our country, so that's pretty embarrassing. What is being talked about right now is, uh, you know, because there is so much controversy surfacing over her, there have been there was a vote that was put on, on the floor in the House to remove her from her committee responsibilities. At first, when it was discussed among the Republican faction of the House of Representatives, uh, she mostly got a positive reception from. Her constituents. So when it was put on the general floor, uh, ultimately she it was voted that she would be removed from her committee responsibilities or committee positions or whatever. So that has happened. It has come to pass. But only 11 Republicans voted for that to take place, and it was overwhelmingly Democrats that caused that to happen. So right now the talking point is how alarming it is that uh, more Republicans haven't stood up to censure her behavior basically oh well, that don't make sense right i think i summarized it sure
1: well you know so i i, I not to justify um idiocy right um but what i will say is that uh, i could understand at least why um a republican congressman or congresswoman or you know whatever the case would say, oh, you know, if we remove a red seat, then it could be replaced with a blue seat, and that doesn't interest us. So
0: it I can appreciate that
1: shortsightedness.
0: It wasn't to remove her from office; it was to remove her from her committees in the in the in Congress. You know what I mean? Um, what discerns one from another? So when you're in Congress, uh, you're in Congress. <laughs> when One of the things a congressperson can do as a as part of the the surfeit of responsibilities you have is being placed in certain committees that are created specifically to discuss like uh, governmental uh, specializations or responsibilities. So, you know, there can be a committee to draft this specific bill over infrastructure. Another committee will be in charge of education. There will be another committee in charge of um the upholstery in the chamber like it'll be stuff like that you you just it kind of gives you a heightened sensibility there are committee chairmen who lead the group so i mean there's 400 there's over 400 house representatives in congress that's a lot of freaking people so committees just kind of split up the groups and partition them and the idea is to have some be republicans and some be democrats so that the interests that the committees are representing have you know the two different perspectives and you know that it'll does that make sense yeah that makes sense now so she was in these little groups and whatever that that had these specific responsibilities and the vote was to take her out of those so now she's no longer in any committees in the house anymore well that's good (laughs) yeah that's a step in the right direction yeah so it wasn't to remove her from the house i don't think the house could just vote to do that for somebody i think there would have to be an impeachment and you know it would be more formal for that shame happen. oh yes so uh so people are a little bit uh perturbed the hashtag only 11 was trending on twitter a few days ago in yeah. reference to the 11 republicans who had the chutzpah to vote against her um So I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of getting, like, some whiplash from the Republican Party right now because it's, like, the way that the news headlines fluctuate. It's, like, one week we have it where the Republicans are so sick of this Trumpism and this QAnon shit, and now that Trump is gone, it's kind of, like, getting us back down to planet Earth. Now we're leveling back out to the more establishment GOP that we knew pre-Trump. And then, on the other hand, like, this stuff happens where... Marjorie Taylor Green gets support in spite of everything. And it's like, nope, there's still a lot of Trumpism going on. So I like, don't know. It's like the GOP is eating itself and flopping all over the place. And I don't even know what to expect from them anymore.
1: So here's what, um, here's what I'll say on that is I only expect not conservative people. I only re- um, expect Republicans to be like capable of so much intelligence. Um, <laughs> I don't say that to come off like a bigot to come off ignorantly or anything I agree like with that you. but that is a very, very candid statement. Um, if you look globally at, you know, how other other bipartisan forms of government are structured, say Germany, um forgive me if I've talked about this before I, I feel like I may have. Uh, regardless, I, I I think it's worth mentioning that our like centrists are 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 centralists. I don't know what the the term Centrist. is. The people in the middle politically centrist, yeah. sure centrist um people from centrist they they are very um in the middle here but in germany are like the extreme right wing as yes. far as you know politically what they believe in um and how how much government you know should be involved in things and whatever have you um so i think that you know when you look at all these other countries that we can look at as as first world um, who look at us as industrialized third world. Um, first world, you mean, I think. You know, and say, oh, okay, well, sorry.
0: I think you mean first world industrialized, or do you mean like Europe looks at us as a third world country because like our healthcare system is broken and stuff? Is that what you mean?
1: That's exactly what I meant. Okay, yeah. exactly
0: what I meant. Got you, got you.
1: Um, I mean, more than just our healthcare, but, but yeah. Yeah,
0: well, that, as an example.
1: Um, uh, like we vote on abortion, excuse me, right. anyways um moving moving on before I, I pop a fucking blood vessel um so yeah i i I'm honestly not surprised that so many red seats in in the house are declaring like you know, oh well this i mean this is fine, yeah,
0: like, this is okay, and she... like eleven or, or she even got, like, a standing ovation. So, I mean, she's really become a glamorized poster child for the uh, conspiratorial factions of the the right wing in yeah. this country, so to speak. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> she thinks it it's is. Pretty you She said what? something she can, like, um, she can... the statement she released after she was voted off the committees was like, they were a waste of my time anyway but it was more like they were wasting to my time anyway because she's you know, deep south you no know i'm them. not i'm not i'm not going
1: to um i'm not going to think more lowly of someone for having a southern accent um but d- does she have a southern accent i've she never does. heard her
0: speak she does hey listen um, people with southern accents are not bad in any way by virtue of having southern accents uh, what I was okay. going for was more the uh, the like very archetypal, very stereotypical, like uneducated, a- politically illiterate evangelical that she is. That's all.
1: Who happened to come from? This?
0: Who who, maybe, who happens to come from like there. the Bible Belt uh, area of America? Um, for sure. Anyway, so that's that's on Marjorie Taylor Greene. <sighs> We wrapped up on that topic. I feel like I interrupted you while you were speaking, JT.
1: No, you're, you're fine. I, I, I was really just saying that I'm I'm not at all surprised. Like, this isn't like, Man, what the frick? Like, dang stinking dumb booby butt. It's like, okay, well, who'd have thunk it? Like, right. <laughs> you know, it's I get not it. not like we're
0: constantly disappointed, but never surprised.
1: Correct. Just like my first marriage.
0: Eh, I'm so sorry. Put an F in the yeah, chat for, for JT's first marriage.
1: In the chat to Head my in first wife. Linda, if you're out there, fuck you. Um, fuck you. I I hope you're enjoying Todd's micro penis. I hope Todd is treating you well. Todd, uh, if you're out there,
0: Jerry, put
1: a put a cucumber in the microwave or something.
0: Jerry, do you want to divulge any profundities before we move on? Uh
2: I you can say no. really <laughs> didn't have Yeah, I had I'm going to go with no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right.
2: I'm just sitting here like, damn, conspiracy theorists really get into the
0: house, huh? Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, she's not even close to the only one. Oh, there is another video that I saw. We're going to move on. But there was another video I saw that was just one of many where um, at some point, like a few years ago, I think it was before she was an elected official in the state of Georgia at like the state level government. There were a couple of elected officials who had gotten sworn in on the Quran instead of the Christian, you know, KJG, whatever Bible, um, KJB, you know what I mean? And she like stomped in there with her righteous ire to declare that that was against the law and that they had to have a discussion about getting them sworn in on the Christian Bible because that's the only document you can swear in on. And obviously they were like, we can swear in on whatever document we want. You're infringing upon our religion. And she they said that. And she was like, yes. Like, she just straight up was like, did not deny that she was infringing upon their religion, but she was like, but that law was passed after you swore in on the Quran, so we need you to swear in on the Bible. Well, uh, you
1: know, to her credit, we do live in a borderline, like, theocratical state. Um, Is that the word? Is that how you use theocrat? The- the- uh,
0: theocratic? Is that how you say that? Let me Google it. Gary, stop for time.
2: Uh, theocratic. I have never yes. personally heard that word before, but it also... is. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds right. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: um, okay. That's
0: good. Um, um, yeah.
2: That... No, we are like, run by.
0: I hate that. I don't want so, to get into a whole other church. discussion about that, which we had an episode on that is now has now been lost forever because of the legendary fire at the Library of Alexandria. Um, but butchy. We can we can revisit that topic in another episode. Let's move on to the next segment. Uh, here's what I, I saw something interesting on the internet the other day, as one does. Um, it was a post on a social media where YA uh, book authors. <laughs> um, or had this, there was like this thread on Twitter where somebody, I don't know who the author was. I don't remember. I don't know what book it was, but if you know the implications of YA as a modern literary genre, I think you probably already have an idea of where this might be going or not. I don't know. One of the authors was like, I need people to stop recommending me like these racist books. She said, I like opened a thread, uh, full of people, um, you know, recommending what to read. She was like, here's what these classics have taught me that, um, Huck Finn taught me that racism racism is okay, and Wuthering Heights taught me something about, like, incest or whatever. She was basically making it out to be, like, all of these classic canonized books have nothing but, like, the most rotted and sordid ideas to teach an audience. Uh, and other YA authors jumped in and was like, yeah, such and such is so creepy and incestuous and such and such is so racist and like, I don't know, like Huck Finn is so racist and should never be read by anybody ever in any school, that kind of thing. Oh, I saw a discussion that somebody screencapped that and they opened up a discussion about how this paradigm is short-sighted on one hand because it's misconstruing the inclusion of those sorted events in those books which were purposed to caution against them. So the frustration with Huck Finn as a specific example that I will be returning to is that it is racist so that it can represent the idea that racism is bad. For people who don't know or haven't read the book, the uh, kind of generalized... Concept is that a young boy named Huck was taught that befriending a black person which was that at the time period analogous with a slave Would send him straight to hell if if you befriended a black person you totally forfeit the God-given right you have to eternal life and love uh, under Jesus Christ himself and you're gonna get Thrown right into the dungeons of hell Automatically like high sin and Huck Finn uh, kind of inadvertently among his adventure uh, on his adventures befriended a black person a, a runaway slave I think and decided for himself as a young man that he would rather be sent to hell than forfeit his friendship with this individual. That's kind of the the idea of the book and the, the arc of the character of Huck Finn as a protagonist was reaching that conclusion. So a lot of the people were upset that, th- that this book was being condemned by these YA authors or whatever uh, because it was like wantonly like irresponsibly misconstruing the whole point of the book so this all that is to say it leads me into the question of what do through what lens should we look at these primary historical sources that include content that is by modern standards uh, politically or morally sorted on one hand We have a group of people who say any reference or any scoosh of um, an allusion to a a morality by modern standards should be completely like not acknowledged whatsoever because it's immoral and we have to condemn. We have to do nothing but condemn those things wholeheartedly. Uh, On the other side, people are saying that, If we do that, we forfeit examining useful primary sources that are at risk of being uh, overlooked or misinterpreted because we are assigning modern ideology to archaic documents. So this is a broad topic because on one hand, we're talking about using the N word in a book. And that's one thing. On the other hand, people appropriate the same discourse to rationalize the ownership of slaves. And that's another thing. So, you know, I'm going to we're going to get into this discussion, but I want to acknowledge out the gate. It's complicated. There's different examples. You know, we're I'm going to try and not be too blanketed here, but I think we should talk about it. So I talked a lot. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Let me know.
1: Jerry, would you like to go? Uh,
2: yeah, actually. I could go on this. So, uh, from my perspective on this topic, on the topic of, like, older books and, God, like, any text, really, but in this instance older books that have, uh, possibly sorted messages or touch on subjects that are very sensitive, to say the least. (laughs) Uh, I do think that they should be able to be read for the fact that, like you said, in Huck Finn, it teaches a moral lesson. It gives a glimpse into what that time period was like. It's kind of a reminder as to why not, why we shouldn't go back to those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of falling on the, what's the word, the phrase, his, if we don't learn from it, history is doomed to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't given the opportunity to see and read these books, then they don't have the opportunity to learn from previous mistakes.
0: Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I was really just gonna make Jerry's point. You know, I so to build on that, I think that um, it's important to acknowledge how fucked uh, it is that that happened. But also, it's like we're saying it's important to teach that. It's important to remember that happened. It's important to teach why that happened and why it shouldn't happen ever again. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely not in favor of outright canceling, like turning that off, saying you know we're not we're not doing this whole uh, N word in the books thing. Um, you know, when uh, I I was taught to be not bigoted towards anybody for my whole life. And then I entered high school and we read, um, tales of Huck Finn and they for sure said the N word in there. Like good bit. And it was really uncomfortable and I hated it as a white person. You know, I can only imagine, um, w- w- what it's like for uh, to be someone that that word was made to, to antagonize. Mm-hmm. And for that, it's like, it, not that I needed that instance to teach me why it was wrong to say the N word, but it, it puts it in another context. Like, hey, this is this was what happened, because like we can't go back in time. You know, we can say, you know, slavery is bad. Racism is bad, you know, and and with all this popular, you know, woke shit and all and that's fine, you know, and it's a whole nother thing to to see it in literature that was around back then and and, you know, take in history that way it's like more direct i feel like and i I think it it paints a different picture and and teaches a more effective lesson for that as as long as the point is very firmly made with how wrong it is that any of that is in there Mm -hmm. you know but kind of like how disney still airs a lot of like really racist awful cartoons and stuff that they they are in their their cartoons and movies from you know years and years and years ago like they'll say in the beginning like hey, there's really fucked stuff in this, Um, and we acknowledge that it's really wrong for this to be in here, but to get rid of it is, like, to acknowledge that it never happened at all, which we think is much worse. And that's, I think that's huge. I think it's huge.
0: Yeah, I think even in the case of, like primary sources that um are not moralistic in their teachings i mean a huck Finn. the point of that book was to condemn racism there are mm-hmm. books that are racist you know i think in that case we have to or, i mean racist insofar as they, they condone or encourage racism in those yeah. cases that might be an instance of when it's important to bridge the gap between or to acknowledge the difference between um um like condemnation um to acknowledge the difference between appreciation and remembrance we, we don't want to end up exhibiting a historical erasure um over the need to censure a uh, so it's important to i guess in my opinion it's important for there to be acknowledgement without and having it be separate from appreciation um, yes. So here's, I'm going to kind of elevate this conversation a little bit. I've spoken to many people, many people uh, as a person that's been in the Civil War reenacting community. And as a person who knows a lot of people who are appreciators and studiers and scholars of history or whatever, uh, who believe that people like, who are lauded in the zeitgeist as historical heroes, such as the founding fathers, cannot be condemned for having owned slaves, uh, because quote, times were different. And that's why having monuments and ostensibly celebratory iconography of these individuals is not condemnable, because how can we, you know, morally evolved over the course of 200 years, possibly justifiably uh, criticize individuals uh, that are our distant ancestors for doing what is in modernity regarded as unacceptable things? So, sure. here's like this this also comes up a lot with uh, the conversation about Confederate statues with Andrew Jackson being on the $20 bill. So, I'm gonna put the question out there. I'm gonna save my opinions for later, but I'm just gonna pause the question. Uh, should we condemn these historical figures for owning slaves, for doing marrying and having kids with their cousins, and so, <laughs> what you know, stuff like that? Uh, Should we, is the criticism towards those things valid or should they be shelved because of the the temporal distance? Uh,
1: I don't think you should shelve anything immoral for any reason. I think when you do wrong, you do wrong. Uh, I think it's really important to acknowledge what happened back then that was wrong, why it was wrong, and not make excuses for it like you know oh well you know it's the times here's what i'll say um is definitely definitely get that like that was relatively the norm back then i can appreciate how it's it's um yeah i mean i mean i don't know how else to say that really um but at the same time you know homophobia. Uh, say in like the the 60s and 70s and and even the 80s and so on was way more culturally accepted than it is today um and so you have a a lot of people who are growing up that are still alive now that are, are very hateful towards gay people or at the very least you know like ignorant to put it um you know more lightly um you could make the you could make the um the excuse that like oh well you know it was their time like that's what they were raised around and stuff you know sure yes absolutely they were raised around that and it doesn't make it right that they um are bigoted towards people there's there's an issue there's an issue with with being bigoted and and you know doing wrong things it's bad to do bad things um and and no cultural um appro- uh, appropriation no no cultural um anything makes that okay. No understanding of the times. No, no, no being, um, a passenger in a time period makes it okay. You know, because clearly we've, we've had people that have felt differently, um, that have gone to lengths to, to change things, despite the fact that they were, uh, growing up in whatever time and, and were subjected to those, um. Patterns of of thought and so on and so forth; those predispositions towards people, like people were taught these things, and said, "Oh no, this is wrong." Mm -hmm. So yes, I think I think it's acceptable to um, condemn people for
2: doing wrong things. Period.
0: What do you think, Jerry? That's how I feel.
2: I mean, my thought process on it is that what they did was definitely wrong, Uh, and for that fact, that should be recognized. Like the. Fact that they did wrong should be attached to their character. My mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to say about it was along it, JT touched on a little bit too, talking about it's how they were raised, kind of deal. We were lucky enough to be raised in a time where tolerance and acceptance is the norm.
0: Which yeah, for us in that, our communities because
2: yeah. I like being accepting of others. And I'd like to believe that even if I was raised in a different time, I still would have come out the same way. I still would have come out being accepting of other people. But there's no way for me to say that for sure. Uh, So it's hard for me to outright say that they should be completely cancelled because of what they did in the time period. It's Uh. definitely wrong what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might have mis misinterpreted what you were going for, JT. Uh, no, not at all. But I'm just thinking, if I was raised in that time period, how would I have turned out? And I can, yeah. I can hope all I want that I'd be the same as I am right now. But people are shaped by the world they live in.
0: Which I actually, I sure. heard a quote that stuck with me it's a little bit hard I find to uh you know elucidate on it like I find what well, I I'll say the quote uh, and I might I will have to expand on it and that is difficult but the quote itself says whatever you're doing right now would be whatever you would have been doing at any other point in history. Meaning if right now with the racial tensions going on in the country, if you're on the side of BLM, you would have been on the side of the race rioters and the protesters in the 1960s and Montgomery and stuff like that. That's what you would have been doing. You would have been an abolitionist in the 1850s and so on and so forth. The historical lens in terms of morality and morality is ostensibly so uniform. There's a certain uniformity in historical hindsight like in conjunction with that don't know if that makes sense but like in my brain it makes sense when i try to articulate it it's not as clear um but i think that it's true if you're on the right side of history at a given time you can attribute you can see seeing yourself further down the line a hundred years from now in hindsight When the uh, pro-racial egalitarian movements are examined, they will be morally lauded as on the, quote, right side of history. That would have been that is now the case for people 60 years ago when we study the civil rights movement. And uh, however many years ago at any other point when similar, you know, uh, discourses were in the cultural, you know, forefront. So uh, that kind of gave me comfort and cleared up the whole idea of how can you tell what side of history that you're on? you kind of have to examine yourself through a moral lens. And in comparison to, uh, you know, similar historical events, it all kind of lines up in a way. So that's that's just. That, that's just what that reminded me of when you said I'd like to think at a certain point that I would have been the same. Whatever you're doing right now, if it's right, it's right, you know? So, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I, if I could build on that a little and mm-hmm. and also sort of perry, um Jerry's statement, um, I, I, I do agree wholly that you are a, that people are a product of their environment. If you learn that something is right, then you learn that it's right. If you learn it's wrong, you learn it's wrong. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that only goes so far. I agree. Um, to give you an example, I used to be pro-life. Me too. Through like middle school and stuff. I used to be very like, you know, that's like a, that's a human life. You know, uh, like, how can you, how can you justify destroying that? And like, to be frank, I was, Mm. I was never against a woman's right to choose, but it was like, damn, this is fucked up. Like people should just stop getting pregnant. Um, (laughs) but I, I definitely like when the, when the conversation came up, I definitely said, you know, like without getting into it, I'm pro life. Um, things fucking change dude (laughs) boy do things change yeah i thought about it more i thought about things more and and you know i lived life and i spent time with people that um didn't want to get pregnant and wanted to be able to um you know enjoy their their bodies and, and who they are freely without worry of of um destroying their own life uh creating a life that would be um you know unfit for living and and such i think it's a lot worse to um birth a child uh who's not gonna have a, a fruitful fulfilling life than it is to outright like stop it you know like like whether or not a cookie dough is still a cookie you know um is neither here nor there right uh, at the end of the day. Uh, i think uh uh regardless of anything i have to say about the um the the nature of um you know the baby's life and and whatever have you uh a, a woman's body is a woman's body and it's her body and it's not mine or anyone else's and it's not the states and it's definitely not anyone else's responsibility um to say what does or doesn't happen to it so um But I guess to, to kind of bring this around, I know I get long winded sometimes, um, to bring this around, I didn't feel that way before. I didn't used to feel that way. And, and, you know, I was raised to, to think that way. I was raised to, to believe those things. I used to be a Christian, you know, I used to be a lot (laughs) of things. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you grow up and you, you, you think about things, you see more of the world. Um so as much as i do candidly agree with jerry i think that i also agree with with you i may that um you know while you are definitely a product of your environment you're also a product of yourself and and if you are a moral righteous person i think that will come out so that's it that's all
2: uh not to discredit anything you just said or sure. like how you feel about the opinions you have formed or anything along those lines. Like I'm with you on that stance. Like when you're talking about pro-life versus pro-choice, I am pro-choice as well. Sure. Sure. My one question I want to bring up mm-hmm. and I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here just to, against the, yeah, for the position I was in before of your product, or your environment, if you hadn't talked to the people you did about that topic, if you hadn't met the people who you could get their side of the story and their opinion on the matter, do you think your mind would have changed about that still?
1: I think it could have, um, to say that it would have been such a a sure thing. I can't because I'm not in that position. So it is all speculation. Um, but I've changed my mind on a number of other things that I've had no real, like discernibly, um, contrasting uh exposure to to like oh well hey but 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 what about this like you know sometimes all you need is, is you know a uh, um a long night and some some opportunity to think critically um mm-hmm. like the whole the whole christianity thing reason i brought that up was specifically because like it wasn't like i was talking to atheists and, and they were like you know man i'm just not into god and I'm like i guess i'm not into god either dude You're like that not not the case um it was it was just me sitting down thinking about what made sense to me you know and and something like religion is significantly more subjective and isn't tied to any moral anything so like that's not what i'm suggesting here but more so that um you know as much as you can be a product of your environment i think that you have the capacity to change even without necessarily like um you be being um I'm so hardly exposed to any uh, from the contrasting thought uh, another example for you Jerry my grandfather uh my dad's dad mm-hmm. uh loved the bits he's amazing pop if you're listening i know you're not um but howdy <laughs> um used to be very homophobic used to be very uh bigoted in that respect used to be pretty racist for sure, not racist anymore. Absolutely can that. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, so he's he's still a Christian, so very firmly like a, a, a fearer of God. Um, but he said to me something really profound, kind of out of nowhere. He's like, you know, I I know this is gonna get me in trouble with certain people. I said, oh my god, here we go. I'm not ready for this. He said. I think it's wrong that people think gay people go to hell. Like, what do you mean, Pop? He's like, you know, it's just, it's just like, why would they? Why would they go to hell? (laughs) He's like, I don't think the Bible says that. He's like, I don't, he's like, I don't like gay people. I think it's weird. He's like, but if they're a Christian, they, they don't not go to hell. He's like, that's not how that works. He's like everyone's saved under that. He's like it, it's it's it he's like God doesn't hate gay people. He said that. This is crazy. Um and while that's not that's not a total reform at mm-hmm. all, but like just considering God, considering the time period and where he came from. All right, pop. You know, like I'll I'll never be able to come out to him as anything. I right, will be a right. straight white man to him for as long as um You know, as long as anything ever and and really same with any of my family, I I don't think I'll really be able to tell them who I am and I'm at terms with that. But like, I, I guess what I'm saying is that change can happen even without instigation.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. Let me, I have a parallel story here. Not to be repetitive, but I feel like I have to tell this. There's a lot of things we have in common here. I also used to be Christian. I used to be pro-life. I even used to be a conservative Republican, which I do not like to admit about myself. I think it's highly. Let me get something clear, though. I never voted for Donald Trump. I want to, <laughs> I want to put that on the table. I was registered as a Republican not in 2016. That, I was, not, like, I was Republican, but I was not that far gone. Okay. I want to make that clear. Any case, I am now, uh, you know, you know, you got first, uh, left. democrat any case um so my mom it's like your your grandpa uh pretty devout god-fearing christian used to be a a devoutly practicing jehovah's witness has since is no longer part of the organization still still believes in the king james bible the abrahamic interpretation the heaven the whatever all that um And she used to be politically, or I I guess I would say she used to be apolitical, centrist, you could say, registered as a Democrat, but when Donald Trump got elected very much let's give him the benefit of the doubt she bought his books and was like reading his books about business and I was like mom why are you supporting so why are you even giving this man any leeway he admit he talked about how proud he was that he assaulted women on tape and she'd be like well oh, I don't know you know he's he's an elected leader so there must be something redeeming I just don't know I want to give him a chance I want to blah 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 so, okay all right uh, I talked to her was I mean we would get into arguments also uh transphobic homophobic you know the whole nine, uh, being transgender is unnatural, it's a defiance of God, it's messing with your body, it's this, that, and the other thing, um, being gay is gross, and, like, you know, da-da-da. We would get into arguments about it over the years, um, and it, it, it could get heated, you know? Um, so recently, uh, over the years, it would be, like, over time, she would get a little bit softer on her stances, I noticed. Like, it wouldn't, it would be like she'd see a gay person kiss another gay person on TV and and instead of like acting transparently disgusted, she would just be quiet about it. So like over time she would just she simmered down on all that. All the bigotry kind of started increasingly taking a back seat. And I could bring up the subject of transgenderism and her not like having an anxiety attack or something like that. You know what I mean? Or I could talk about gender neutrality with her and we would have a relatively level-headed discussion and it wouldn't become a thing about Jesus. So all that being said, there was a very slow, very progressive, like little incremental changes in her attitude. So, um, Since uh, Joe Biden has gotten elected, that administration has, of course, uh, taken specifically tailored steps to having marginalized groups represented in the cabinet. We have um, gay and gay people, LGBT community, people of color being represented in high factions of government. Fantastic. Um, From our state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, one of our uh, popular health officials, Rachel Levine, has been inducted as, I think, Assistant Secretary of Health in Biden's administration or something to that effect. But she's being uh, pushed upstairs to the executive branch or or some such, which is great. We're very excited for her. We will miss her in Pennsylvania. Anyway, Rachel Levine, I don't know if you guys know about her, but um, she's a transgender woman. um, So it's great to have that representation. so I come downstairs one day, my mom's watching the news and she's gotten pretty political uh, ever since COVID kind of erupted. She's all of a sudden been really paying attention to the news and stuff. And she's become increasingly political. So she she's all of a sudden knowing things like I don't even have to tell her what's going on anymore. So I come downstairs and she's like, "Um, hey, did you hear about the assistant health secretary for Biden? I was like, yeah, she's like Rachel Levine. She's she's. Biden made her such and such. I was like, yeah. And my mom goes, and she's a transgendered woman. And she's like in that position. And I was like, yeah. And my mom like looks at me in the eyes after saying that and like no facetiousness, no sarcasm whatsoever. She's like, how cool is that? And I was like, she's acknowledging this stepping, this, uh this, event of a transgender person gaining a you know represent like an important position of power as a positive thing like she is genuinely happy that that happened um and i was like oh my god and then the other day i came downstairs and i was like mom since you're kind of more into politics do you have like an economic system that you think that you're leaning towards or like where do you think you are on the economic spectrum she's like i think i like socialism (laughs) I was like, mom, she's like, she used to be pro-life. And now she I got her to say a couple weeks ago that like, as much as she is anti abortion, you know, of course, which all pro choice people pretty much are. She was like, you know, as much as I hate the idea of abortion, I think the government shouldn't have a say over women's bodies. So now she went from pro-life to pro-choice. I got her to say she she thinks gay people should be allowed to get married. She's like, (laughs) over time, all of these pillars got knocked down. I think a lot of her doing research her learning things us having conversations so i'm so impressed and proud you know i'm not like you said with your grandfather know that she's completely reformed you know there's still old residue but like through the power of spreading information and getting educated and learning which are keys in moral evolution she's really changed her perspectives and i think that that little small thing is so it's so great, and it's indicative of you know something we should all be working towards. Woo!
1: God, yeah, that's gorgeous.
0: Long story. Thank you for coming to my TED talk and listening. But I do love that. I'm so proud of my mom. um And yeah, so this one in an unexpected direction. I wanted to. I, we're going to move on to the third segment and then close it out. I wanted to bring up uh in specific, specifically, in conjunction with slavery to kind of bring it back around to: do we condemn wholeheartedly or not? Eh, I don't know. Um, when people say i just want to put this out there on the table when people say things like well you know thomas jefferson owned a couple hundred slaves but that those were the times i i think it's a major majorly undercutting the intellect and the moral and emotional intelligence of humans as a species from as little as 200 odd years ago to suggest that they had no conceptualization that owning other people was wrong Especially when Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and George Washington and John Adams and Alexander Hamilton and John Lawrence and Hercules Mulligan and countless, countless of these founding fathers of the originalists laud as heroes were very transparent about how they were aware that slavery was unacceptable and horribly sordid. And, and especially because so many of them were Virginians geographically, they were kind of like in the middle of the Federalist Abolitionist North and the Agrarian, you know, plantation-owning South. So they had some kind of like those would be the individuals that owned slaves while condemning it, you know, that was the source of a lot of the hypocrisy. Uh, And then it really wasn't uh, until, I would say, the kind of Henry Clay second generation government, 1830s, 1840s and 50s, that people started to really talk about slavery as if it was a good thing. There was a cultural shift when John C. Calhoun got on the Congress floor and said, you know, slavery should be kept around because we're giving these people shelter, feeding them, giving them clothes. And it was this extraordinarily racist idea that people that were black couldn't be expected to flourish in society independent of the institution of slavery. so, I hate even saying it. Um, but the, that, I think that's important to examine is like a cultural shift and how much of it is innately people should just fucking know that these, the most basic axioms of the human condition versus how easily people are swayed by cultural zeitgeists and stuff like that. You know, all that stuff. Um, so we talked a lot, I, I don't know, how we don't want to get much into that, but I just wanted to say my, I guess my position is that it's, you know, I acknowledge there's a nature versus nurture thing that should be examined, but I, I honestly don't think that the founding fathers <laughs> or, or anybody in on, since the onset of modern civilization can be absolved uh, from their, the implications of owning slavery because they, they just didn't know, they couldn't have known. No, they knew. There's no way they didn't know. Know what I mean? We can. They told us they. They yes, exactly. I just, they said it. Let's not selectively ignore their own. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean. I think I got my point. Yeah. Yes. Um. All right. We're gonna move on to the last segment. Do either of you guys have any thoughts on that before we go?
1: I I kind of made my piece um on it yeah. um, but to to I guess rehash it um, bad is bad no matter who's your dad.
0: Excellent, beautiful. Uh, JT, I like how your face is blocked by- I think that's
2: the title of the episode. Yeah, I- I I kinda want that to be the title episode. (laughs) Okay, Jared. That is bad, no matter who is your dad. I wanna-
0: (laughs) I will honor your wishes. Alright, JT, do you wanna introduce our last segment?
1: Fuck yeah, this is about socks, guys! Let's talk about the socks that- that, uh, we wear, and what we think about the socks that other people wear.
0: Can you believe people used to wear socks up to their knees- Knee um breaches. some people still do, I think. Well, of course there's knee Thigh here's highs. The- oh! <laughs> here's what I So here's what I think is interesting, the founding the men's fashion, right? Have you ever thought about men's fashion? Back in the good old seventeen seventies and eighties and nineties, there would be the whole idea behind a men's cut of pants and like with knee breeches and wearing stockings and like, you know, crop pants on your knees. They really wanted to like accentuate the thickness of a men's thighs as like a sensual nod to their you know that used to be manly that used to be manly to wear like to have like thick thighs and to really accentuate like the crotch region and that was the whole the whole format for knee breeches as a concept i have
1: the thickest thighs i have the most thickiest thighs you would have
0: looked yeah. ideal uh, in knee breeches like the founding fathers with the knee-high stockings that would those would have been made for you the
2: thighs save lives
0: <laughs>
2: the true true that's where Keep, it comes from i think c- can you all Keep imagine yourselves
0: in like knee breeches stockings buckled shoes oh, uh, oh i would uh, I'd
2: have fucking awful
0: i would have coats,
2: s- too much power if i was wearing that i think
0: waistcoats so cotton shirts and overcoats and tricorn hats in like 150 degree weather inside in philadelphia at the constitutional Convention. Listen, right.
2: the, the right. tricorn hat sounds
1: pretty good
0: i love no, those no,
1: Least favorite part, for sure. I hate hats. I hate
0: hats. <laughs> My favorite part Ooh. of colonial fashion: the cravat. Can we bring back the cravat for everybody, uh, all genders? I want everybody to wear cravats.
1: What's a what is that?
0: It was like the white ruffly thing they'd wear on their necks. The oh, cuffing.
1: cravats can yeah, that's all right. I love those. I love the blouses that have the what? little things like that. Yes, those are great. What about powdered wigs?
0: Hate hate them. What about powdered mm-hmm. wigs? Jesus yeah, Christ. Like,
2: Puffy, gross headpiece, but yeah, socks. Yeah, um, uh, what? Oh, I do what socks.
0: A you get product there. of like poor hygiene. Yeah, socks. Sorry.
2: Uh, <laughs> typical day, black mm-hmm. crew cut socks. Okay. Uh, okay. I could pull out. Listen, like I-, I could pull out every sock in that drawer. And I can tell you that like, ninety percent of them are going to be black crew cut socks.
0: Gotcha. God, uh, how vanilla. Seven
2: percent are going to be black ankle socks. Okay. And three percent are green and gray speckled wool socks that I wear when I go hiking in winter.
0: Sure.
1: I may That's your taste socks. of
0: socks. I like socks that go like midway up my calves because when I sit down in a pair of pants, I don't want you to be able to see any ankle. I like that look like the, the sure. pants high-watering and having on some funky socks. Ankle. Fashion. Okay.
2: So you would say like a crew cut sock. Yeah, that is that is crew cut is mid calf.
0: Whatever. I thought crew cut socks were. Oh, but with funky uh, patterns, I like wearing like Christmas socks in August. Oh, you're the devil! <laughs> One time, I came into they JT's were, house with were, Christmas oh, socks on, and JT saw my Christmas socks, and he said verbatim, "Who let you in?" That was the thing that
1: actually happened. <laughs> you know, that sounds like fucking me. <laughs> um, so, I for 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 we who know, and for those who don't, um, <laughs> for those who don't, I'm a big fan of fun socks. <laughs> I like That's to have so fun. Well my socks. I'm so meticulous with the things that I wear, what I choose to cover my loins and otherwise with. I match my... Listen, listen. The night that I met my girlfriend... The night that I met my girlfriend, I, I... I wore pink boxer briefs. I wore green, white, and black striped socks, although the striping was dynamic and tasteful. To go with my green chinos, as well as this black button-up shirt poofy as all motherfuck, covered in very tastefully nude women to account for the bisexuality in my now girlfriend, to a- to appeal to that. And also to my own appreciation of the, the, the art that is the female form. The next day, I put on, what did I put on? I put on a nice g- grayish blue and black stripes button-up mm. shirt. I put on some nice patterns uh you might say like a muted navy like a muted cobalt something like that low saturation uh chinos Jesus some blue boxer briefs blue was the theme as well as some blue black and red striped socks the same exact dynamic patterning in striping. As the green socks I wore the night before, let me tell you, the picture I painted to this woman would have been sold in an art museum for many of dollars. I would have been so rich off of off of the cotton and the and the and the and 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 all the other things I covered my body with. <laughs> let me tell you something socks fucking rule and when people don't pay attention to their socks i think less of them i think of, okay okay the only acceptable circumstance of a white sock is an ankle cut no show not even ankle a no show sock peds where no one's going to be able to see the sock let's say you're wearing like a nice muted burgundy suit Nothing under the jacket, you motherfucker! Look at that cleavage tattoo—you're fucking killing it. And you know what you wear? You wear some nice ox blood or chocolate brown double monk stretch. <laughs> Your ankle is revealed. Yeah, it's it's
2: it's gorgeous. It's beautiful.
1: Ah! Listen, listen to me. When <laughs> <die. laughs> not but people don't I choose just dissociated to be good listen listen let's tie it in Marjorie Taylor Green
0: Yeah
1: Huckleberry Finn If you don't choose to be good you are choosing to be bad if you don't choose to wear good socks it's because you've chosen to wear
2: bad socks. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.
0: And if I don't see ya, socks cost money. Um did I or did I not (laughs) eat a blade of
2: grass? You ate a you definitely eaten a blade of grass. JT. I don't know if you swallowed it, but you've at least chewed on a piece of grass.
1: We've all been free. You probably did.
0: (laughs) I did. That's true. It was it was true.
1: how recent was this? When did when did you do it?
0: I was in grade school. I was like seven. I was trying to impress older kids and I think that they just thought it was funny that I did them not in a way that surfaced to me. They were laughing at me, not with <laughs>
2: Gotcha. Yes.
1: Um Jerry.
0: Or no, it was me. Yeah. It was
1: me. Um I shaved my ass cheeks.
0: Oh yeah. Um
1: Yeah, I see you doing that.
0: You don't do that. Come on. No way. Huh? Huh? Huh?
1: I have begun to shave my legs and I'm taking it in stages. I've started at the ass.
0: Oh my God. Okay. Well, Jerry, you win. (laughs) Win with JT. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Why would you I've been shaving my
1: ass cracks. Listen, I've been shaving my ass cracks since I was 17. Cleaner wipes and, you know, the occasional tongue. We do okay. All right. Uh, so it was only natural we moved on to the cheats.
0: That just sounds really unnecessarily difficult.
1: It's not easy. I wish they they made like butt nair. I can. You, could just,
0: <laughs> what you mean it they make nair? Just put nair on your ass.
2: Yeah, it's. Too, oh, that sounds like bad. a really bad idea.
0: You shaving your ass is a bad idea. idea. What if you nick it? It would be hard to sit down for like a whole twelve hours.
1: Hey, listen, I don't even know a guy
2: named Nick. I'm not. Listen, it's not- I don't think he's taking a straight razor to his butt crack. I'm How pretty sure save- it's like a safety razor. Well, whatever. Uh, you no, do you cut yourself with
0: a safety it's razor. razor. So it's uh, one of those yeah, but it, He said it's a single blade Rockwell yeah, for my ass.
2: Yeah, but you're not like, you're not taking like a straight razor, like a barbershop straight razor, goddamn
0: Sweetie Todd on your asshole. You're just. You goddamn like Go Edwards Scissor razor, razor. On your butt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I have a, I have a razor for my neck and cheeks, and then I have a razor for my body.
0: Body, oh, body, body. So, and that body
1: part, it's, a, it's a cartridge razor for the for the body, and everything else is a safety razor. I use it. You know, you jump through at the bottom, it opens up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know. Uh, Jerry, what was your thing? Cows? Would it have something to do with cows?
2: Um. Uh, uh, uh... I wanna show sharks what love is.
0: Sharks, that was sharks, not cows. I don't understand. half the things <laughs> you say are very for this. Different than cows. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> are they? Are they? Are they? Are they? Um You wanna show sharks what love is? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. It's,
2: it's, it's
0: sharks? Like sh- like lone sharks, ocean sharks? Fictional sharks?
2: Sharks. Listen, it's up to your interpretation what that means. That's half the fun for me is seeing your face like evolve as you work through it. I
1: think you are Jerry. I don't think I'm Jerry, that's I true. I
0: don't <laughs> I don't I think, think you are. <laughs> Come on. Jerry. I don't think you want to show sharks any love. I don't think that's the case. I don't I think, think, you think you care you about sharks. Us.
2: Okay, yeah. so what I want to do is I want to go to the aquarium, I want to kiss somebody in front of the shark tank so that they learn what love is.
0: Oh, so you want to show sharks you loving somebody. What love
2: is. You don't yes. You don't want to love it. Uh, I teach them through showing. Fun fact. No, I'm not looking to love on a shark. I'm looking to love somebody in front of sharks. That's
0: great. I'm over two today.
2: I, Fuck. I once...
1: Um, so, uh, fun fact. I've been to seven proms in my life. One of them um, was at the Adventure Aquarium. In New Jersey. Camden Dance and eight in front of, uh fish tanks. That shit was fire.
0: Yo, uh barring the you know, the onset of a discussion about the propriety of sea creatures in captivity, the Camden aquarium is lit. That is the only good thing about Camden New yes. That is an amazing aquarium.
1: I'm going well, to an aquarium tomorrow. The P D and T is pretty cool. It's a nice concert venue. <laughs> Have fun, Jerry. When they catch you drinking and you're underage, they don't, like, arrest you. They just, like, say, hey, say stop. stop. At
0: where? Where are we talking about?
1: The, uh, the, um, um, the bb and
0: I don't know what that is.
1: The concert pit? Oh. Um, yeah. used to be the South Carolina Bank Center?
0: Uh-huh. Yes Center? Yeah. No? Or no. We don't know? I don't know. Okay. All right. Um. It's a, look, it's that's a stadium in okay. Philly. Sounds good. That's... Uh, where you gotta go.
2: Yeah, fun time. Go into an aquarium tomorrow. That should be interesting.
0: Have fun. Show the sharks what love is. Wear a mask.
2: I, I, I want to. I'm going to wear a mask.
0: Be safe. Anyway, um... Thank That's everybody for, for listening. That's all for this week. Tune in next week to hear more of our uh, wonderfully informative nonsense. My name's Ime. Billy. I'm Cherry. On the left here, oh, we have our intern, JT. Uh, see you later. Bye. JT. Bye.
2: Mm. Mm. Mm.